From JBLE Studios, you're listening to The Whole Picture, the military-produced podcast which reaches beyond the front gates. Each month, we choose the topic and bring you a variety of segments that fit within that theme. I'm Airman First Class Nicholas Myers, and I'll be your producer for this month's episode. With me today is Airman First Class Enrique Barcelo, and today we're talking about tradition. So when I was a kid, uh, I was a military brat, and I lived in Belgium for a short period. And there was a festival they had there every year called Kottenstoet. I don't know. Kottenstoet. The festival dates back to the 1200s, where every year all the people in the town get together and they throw, well now, they throw plush cats from a tower. And I guess the tradition dates back to the 1200s when they used to throw actual cats from a tower. There's some variances on what it means. So some people say it's because of witchcraft and they would throw the cats out thinking they were, you know, erasing evil from the town or eradicating it. And the other theory I've read is there was a, a rodent problem. And so they let a bunch of cats loose on the town and then the cats procreated as they do. And then they had a cat problem on top of a rodent problem. So then the only thing, obviously the only logical thing to do for them is to throw cats out of a tower. How'd they have a rodent problem and a cat problem? I don't know. Well, because they had a rodent problem and then they let a bunch of cats loose and then the cats made more cats. And so now they had a rodent problem and a cat problem. I feel like the cat problem would get rid of the rodent problem. Well, it probably helped. But then when you start throwing cats out of towers, I don't know. I mean, you if got you a whole different bunch start of throwing my friends out of towers, I don't think I want to help you with your voting problem anymore. <laughs> so that was a, that was kind of a, tr- a tradition that they had there. It's just something that was a little different, you know, to witness, to be around. Can you give a little bit of your background? I, mean, I know you're a, you're a Cuban, right? And, yep. and you're from Miami. Are there any unique traditions you could think of that your family has? First thing that comes to my mind about unique traditions from my family is... Uh, I feel like it's a whole Hispanic culture thing that we do is uh, for Christmas, we celebrate Christmas Eve and we have a dinner that night and we have a roasted pig, a bunch of family comes over. It, it would be like a traditional Christmas dinner, but we do it on Christmas Eve and we have a roasted pig instead of whatever else anybody usually has. So wh- then what do you do on Christmas Day? We just open presents. Oh, ours was, we could always open a gift on Christmas Eve. We'd go to midnight mass and then come home from midnight mass you could open one gift what my mom said is you could pick any gift and you could open it but she would literally have the gift laid out that you could open it would usually that be one like, specific gift <laughs> it would usually be pajamas or underwear or something like that something you would wear that night to some, go to bed. some very basic thing like that yeah so i had the opportunity to sit down with a retired chief master sergeant miss deborah rothwell and if anybody's ever been to a military retirement, you see a lot of the same traditions that take place. There's, there's kind of a, a schedule of events that are going to take place. And so you'll see, you know, a flag being folded. You'll see a pinning on of the retirement pin. Right. And maybe a shadow box presented, which has the ranks that they've achieved over the years and ribbons and awards and decorations. And then you'll have like a speech from someone who's known that person throughout their career. Right. So what Miss Rothwell does is she's attended since 2002, hundreds and hundreds of retirements and promotion ceremonies, events at her church, 
really anywhere she's asked to attend, and she recites a poem by Howard Schnauber called Old Glory. The poem honors, you know, the traditions of America, the different battles that the flag has flown over, and kind of the history there. She's copywritten her own portion that she attaches to the end of it, and she's added more recent events in America, school shootings, and different tragedies that have taken place here in America, and kind of made the poem more relevant to everybody and not just specifically the military. Her reading that poem has become sort of a tradition here on the base. So the more people that have heard her, the more people want her at their ceremonies. You've been to some... I've been to many of her of the retirement ceremonies that she's been a part of, and I could definitely say that she's very passionate when she says it, and everyone in the audience feels that passion, and they, I think they really connect with her. It's touching, it's tugging at their heartstrings. Here is her rendition of Old Glory. I am the flag of the United States of America. My name <laughs> is Old Glory. Oh, I fly atop the world's tallest buildings. Oh, I stand watching America's halls of justice. Oh, I fly majestically over great institutions of learning. I stand guard with the greatest military powers in the world. Oh, just look up and see me. I stand for peace, honor, truth, and justice. I stand for freedom. I am confident. I am arrogant. Oh, but I am proud. When I'm flown with my fellow banners, my head's a little higher. My color's a little truer. Huh, I bow to no one. I'm recognized all over the world. I am worshipped. I am loved. Oh, but I am feared. I have fought in every battle of every war for more than 200 years. Gettysburg, Shiloh, San Juan Hill, Rome, Guam, Okinawa, Korea, Vietnam, in the Persian Gulf, Afghanistan, Iraq, and scores of places long forgotten by all but those who were there with me. You see, I was there. Oh, I led my soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines. I followed them and watched over them. Oh, they loved me. Oh, I was on a small hill in Iwo Jima, atop the rubble of the World Trade Center in New York City. Oh, wrapped defiantly around a tree in New Orleans. Oh, my head was bowed on the campus of Virginia Tech. Honor and sorrow filled my heart as I stood watch at the gates of Fort Hood. Oh, I know you saw me in Tucson honoring the fallen and the brave. Oh, I stopped by Colorado and dipped my head in shame. Oh, rest in peace, little ones from Sandy Hook Elementary, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, there's a saying in Boston, we will run again. Oh, I peeped through the rubble in Oklahoma, and to my Navy comrades, all hands on deck, we got this. And to the Charleston Nine, prayer sure enough changes things. And to my four Marine brethren, simplify. San Bernardino, we got your back. And to my family in blue, stay true. I was dirty, battle-worn and tired, but citizens and soldiers alike cheered me and I was proud. You see, I've been sore, burned, torn, and trampled on streets of countries that I've helped set free. Oh, it does not hurt, for I am invincible. Oh, I've been sore, burned, torn, and trampled on streets of my own country. And when it's by those whom I served and battled with, oh, it hurts, but I shall overcome, for I am strong. You see, I've slipped the bonds of earth, and from my vantage point on the moon, I stand watch over the uncharted new frontiers of space. I have been a silent witness to all of America's finest hours. Oh, but my finest hours come when I'm torn in strips to be used as bandages for my wounded comrades on the field of battle. Oh, but when I fly and have master one of my soldiers, my sailors, my airmen, and my marines, and when I lie in the trembling arms of a grieving mother at the graveside of her fallen son or daughter, I am proud. You see, I am the flag of the United States of America. My name is <laughs> Old Glory. 
Oh, long may I wave, dear God. Long may I wave. I think it helps to picture the setting of a room full of people that in some way have dedicated their lives to that flag. Officers, you have enlisted, it doesn't matter. You have service members, you have family members, civilians. They all feel the same thing at that moment. And it's really powerful. It just does something to you in your heart. You know, it makes you feel so proud and so happy and tradition and memories. Everything comes up out of that red, white, and blue. Another traditional part of a retirement is the honor guard folding the flag. Uh, and so you were honor guard for the past nine months, so you've done a few of those retirements. I have. Funerals as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe tell us who you spoke with recently? Yeah, uh, for the past nine months, I was an honor guard. I trained about every day, you know, to get those movements correct. Whenever we present the colors or whenever we fold the flags, we want those movements to be sharp. We have to really thank our NCOIC, uh, Staff Sergeant Quentin Ginnins. Uh, he's the one who basically taught us not just the movements, but taught us the meanings behind them. And I got to talk to him about his experience through Honor Guard and how it transitioned from when he started his military career to where he is today. So can you tell the listeners a little about him? Um, yeah, well, when I spoke to him, he told me a number of things, of like why he joined the military, which he basically had the same reasons as most people that join nowadays do. Um, you know, he wanted to travel, he wanted to go to school. Um, at the time, he wasn't an American citizen, so he joined wanting to gain citizenship. Um, and the biggest thing is when he joined, his leadership told him, hey, Join Honor Guard, it looks good on your EPRs and whatnot. He was just doing it to do it, but he didn't realize how it would change his life. In my mind, I started Honor Guard when I was an A1C on my first base um, six years ago. And when I did it the first time, I wasn't the best, I wasn't the brightest, um, and I didn't really understand why I was doing it until I did it again at my second base uh, when I got stationed in Korea for the first time. Um, and then I realized what Honor Guard was and uh, what the meaning behind everything we did was. Uh, from floating the flag to the three fire volleys, uh, to hand that flag to the next akin, to the bugle, uh, to even the colors for a retirement uh, ceremony or promotion ceremony. All of that, I started learning um, and learning America and learning the Air Force as I went by. So Sergeant Giddens learned the importance of what it meant to be an honor guard during his time in Korea. And you can tell he took it to heart because when he next moved to Italy, it was there in Italy where he had the most profound moment that really struck with him, the dignified transfer that he was a part of. And what that is, is not necessarily a memorial service, but really they're preparing the service member's body to transfer it back to the United States. That's when it actually hit me the hardest. Um, seeing how important it was for me to carry the casket the right way, uh, seeing how important it was for me to stay in step while I carried the casket, to stand tall while I carried the casket, 
um, that actually hit pretty pretty hard. And after there, after that, um, I just tried transitioning from every base that I went to. And coming here to BDNCYC is when I started seeing things from the airman standpoint, or started seeing things from the leadership standpoint, um, to seeing how important it is to that it is that we do what we do and we do it the right way. Um, like I said, from carrying the casket to staying in step. Uh, to calling cadence to your command voices, um, to staying in cadence while you do the fire and volley. Head up! Um, but yeah, that's that's how important this is to me, and I didn't realize it until three years after I did honor guard the first time. Um, that it is very very important. It's something bigger than myself. Um, it's something bigger than anyone else. Um, it's something that people who served before me. Um, and their families uh, get to uh, weakness uh, for us to actually help them out and, and uh, show them that the military does care, the military still cares about their uh, they loved one, even though the members served back in the 80s, the member passes away in 2800 or whatnot. We, we still care, and that, that's the most important thing, and that's how we keep the tradition going. Next, we have Airman First Class Amanda Dole, who takes us to the Shenandoah Valley and her alma mater, Mary Baldwin University, so we can take a look at some of the traditions they uphold there. Nestled in the Shenandoah Valley, white brick colonial buildings loom over the small town of Stanton, Virginia, home of Mary Baldwin University. Green and white uniforms litter the parade ground, the faint sound of marching drifts throughout the campus. This all-female liberal arts college began as a female seminary and has been molding exceptional women since 1842. It is also home to the world's only all-female cadet corps. The Virginia Women's Institute for Leadership, or VWIL, celebrates its 20th anniversary this year. I had the opportunity to speak with a former cadet, Liza Saunders, about her experience. Okay, so female Virginia Women's Institute for Leadership has been all female core and their focuses are on women in the military and women in non-traditional and traditional leadership roles. So what made you want to join VWIL? Like, did you go to Mary Baldwin expecting to want to join VWIL? Was that the reason you went to Mary Baldwin? Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, I found out about VWIL on my college tour. And I just thought it was so interesting that they could incorporate an ROTC program into a traditional college setting. VWIL provides cadets with a more structured college experience. They have a curfew and morning formation, as well as certain requirements that they must meet, such as required study hours and physical fitness standards. I think if you can get past the uniform for the particularly early morning training session, it, it literally does change your life. Not all cadets decide to join the military after graduation, but the skills they learn also help them with civilian careers. I mean, any job interview that I've gone on, any interaction I've had with another person, I can relate to things that I had at people and at Mary Baldwin. I mean, just the other day when I was on my interview, they asked me something about, oh, well, 
if you're expected to do more work, the average person, how are you going to handle that? And it was really fun to say, you know, I did that for four years. And that's the easy part. And, you know, they will, they teach you to be five minutes early. They teach you to have your uniform clean, cut, and iron. They teach you that if you want something, you have to work harder than everybody else for it. And I don't know, they teach you that you can be above the standard and you don't really have to ever worry about being mediocre. And maybe that's the arrogant group of people that some people don't understand, but they, they really teach you to be your best self. And I think anybody going into college or anyone going into a program, that's what you want. You want to put your best foot forward and you want people to see what you're capable of. And people put you in an opportunity to show that time and time and time again. Cadets go through training development courses to help them learn how to become better leaders. You meet some of the most amazing people when they're doing their training development courses that you would have never expected to see. So the networking opportunities are just incredible. Choosing where to go to college can be a scary process. Choosing to join an ROTC program while also juggling school responsibilities can be overwhelming. VIEW will help cadets manage school and life stress while still putting them through a military ROTC program. The skills learned are invaluable to their graduates. I don't know, VIEW for me was like a gateway. So you go into it not expecting much or maybe expecting a little bit and I came out of it with so much more than I could have ever expected. V will prepares cadets for leadership positions both in the military as well as in the public and private sectors. The program has earned a reputation nationally as a premier leadership development program for women. Nearly 400 cadets have graduated from the VIEWO program since its founding. Be sure to tune in next month for a special Halloween-themed episode where we tell you some ghost stories around Langley. Thanks for listening. This has been the whole picture from JBLE Studios. For more stories like the ones you heard today, visit us at www.jble.af.mil and be sure to subscribe to our show. I'm your producer, Airman First Class Nicholas Myers, here with Airman First Class Enrique Barcelo. And our additional contributors to this show have been Airman First Class Amanda Dole. Special thanks to Jason Shaw, whose music was used in this production. Mm-hmm.